to the Humanity Church Podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. Hello, my name is Scott. I, <laughs> hello, thank you, that was very nice. How are you? Um, I am a communicator here, a professional human. Um, We've been in this series uh, for, I don't know how many weeks, actually. I should have looked that up. It was probably easy to know. But <laughs> it's been really wild, and it's been, it's been an awesome series. And um, before I pray, I just wanted to say um, I thank you guys for being a part of my life, because this morning I feel like I'm at home up here in, in the front just worshiping God. And I just wanted to thank you guys, just from me to you, thanks for being here. I love it. You guys, uh, you all make a difference. You all do. And I see you and I love you. Not like that, but you know. Um, we better pray. Holy hand grenades. Oh, Jesus, help me. <laughs> thank you for me and my life and how wonderful it is. We are humble before you, Lord. We are grateful before you, King of the universe, Prince of Peace. Be here. Make our hearts into the fertile soil that when you speak, good things would grow. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) So, I don't know if you know this, but uh, David had a pretty extraordinary life. Um, we've kind of explored the highlight reel and the low light reel last week with uh, a little accident with a, <laughs> a lady on a rooftop. Um, he, he had this radical life. He was called from a young age, killed a giant with a rock. We all know that story, I hope, even if you're not a, a, a church uh, person or you haven't grown up in church your whole life, like I did not. Um, but I've heard of David and Goliath. Um, and, but he, he's one of this, like, like Israel as a people, God's people, they, they at one point decided they wanted to have a king, right? And the first king was Saul, and we kind of have mentioned him throughout the series because he's kind of considered a poor king or a bad king or, you know, and then David is always considered a good king. And why is that? Like what, they both sinned, they both messed up, they were both called by God, they were both anointed by the same prophet, Samuel, they both reigned, they both went to war, so why, what, what is different about David? Like, neither one has a perfect track record. So, what is the Lord interested in when he says, you know, or when we say, we're, we're assuming, right, we're, we're assuming that David is better, but why? Like, we're assuming that David's example is one to follow, but why? You know, and what does that have to do with us? You know, I don't think, 
I don't think I'm going to end up ruling a lot of things in my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not even going to be a, in any form of government. If I am, I, you know, unless they change some rules, I, I don't think I'll ever be a king. Um, but we, we kind of rule in our own way, right? We all have a little bit of influence over something, even if it's just us, even if it's our family, uh, our boss, we can influence. We can influence employees if we are a boss. We all have a little bit of, of a kingdom, if you will. And I don't know about you, but when I consider that fact, when I think about the fact that, when, that I have a little bit of influence or a little bit of, you know, uh, in, uh, a little kingdom that I can call my own, I, I have two thoughts that... Um, are both wrong. <laughs> One is, I wish everybody would just leave me alone and do what I say and, and know what I want them to do before I say it and, and just go, like, everything will be fine if we just kind of go my way. I, you know, I know what I'm doing and if, just shut up and let's get on with it. Then the other part of me goes... I don't ever want to make a decision again. There's like dread, like, oh my gosh, if I do this, what if I do that? If I do that, I'll miss out on this. And if I do that, I'll miss out on this. And, you know, just leave me, just take it all away. I don't want to have any control. And those are both disastrous results for me. I don't know about you. When I go that far in either way, I just, things fall apart. And so maybe we're not going to make it into the annals of history as a great ruler. Maybe we're not going to become presidents. Maybe we're not going to become local government officials. Maybe we're not going to be a boss. Maybe we're not going to be a parent. But you've definitely got this desire to have an impact, an influence. Everybody has it. Even if it's a little desire, even if you just want to be the humble one that nobody looks at, you still have this desire. And you also, unless you're seriously spiritually sick, you crave significance. You want your life to mean something. I've never met anybody of any faith background, of any religious belief, of any political belief that didn't want to have an impact. Right? So... <laughs> Does that suck? Is that bad? Are we all stuck wanting something like significance and influence? And, and where can we get that if we can't become kings? What can we do if we're not going to rule? Okay, so are, do we settle? Is that God's call to you this morning? Is that what I'm about to preach to you? Settle? Okay, you're a coffee clerk. Well, just love being a coffee clerk, okay? Okay, well, you're a high school teacher. Just love being a high school teacher. I could make that case. And we'd probably all walk out of here going, okay, yeah, that's, I'll get back to it. But I know for sure a huge source of pain in my life is when I feel like I'm not living up to something. That I know that I could have a bigger impact than I've had. And I know when I've missed out on those opportunities. And I wonder how many of you have ever felt that. Maybe it looks like depression. Maybe it looks like dissatisfaction with your job. But I think we all have those moments where we're looking at what we could be and we feel like we fall short. We feel like we're not as significant as we could be. 
And how many of us are afraid to even admit that? That you actually have a desire to be something more than you are. Because if you admitted that, wouldn't that mean that you're failing? If you admitted that you desire to not be where you are, doesn't that mean you're falling short? So you know what we do, or at least what I do? We just cover it up, just pretend like that desire is not there. We excuse it away with holiness or humility. We numb it out with alcohol or drugs or addiction. But what if it's supposed to be there? Are we just supposed to suffer? <laughs> turn, turn with me in your iPhones to uh, Genesis chapter one. <laughs> this is interesting. So God has just made people. They're fresh out of the oven. And uh, he, he, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Awesome. Like, I want to have influence. I just don't want it to be over fish and birds, right? But God's showing in this moment something really significant. Who else was on the earth right now? God, people, and that's it. Everything else, God says, you go and do that. His, job, his plan was that we would rule with him right here. And granted, it was probably a lot more simple to just be like, all these fish, you are now under my rule. You know, they don't have a say in the matter. You know? But that was God's heart. There's something about that, God being with people, right? He was in the garden with them. He was with Adam and Eve, and he said, rule the earth, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the things, name the animals. That's what I want. And if you're not familiar with the biblical narrative, I'll give you some highlights. There's a guy called Abram who was just hanging out in his dad's house, and he was getting old and just kind of chilling. And one day, the Lord himself just shows up and goes, hey, you, you got to leave this and come follow me. And Abram becomes Abraham, spoiler alert. And then he follows God and his life is marked by blessing. Um, God says like all of your descendants will outnumber the stars. Like he gives him these huge promises and starts this thing of just, hey, come with me, but you're going to do stuff, right? Abraham goes and gets land and, and starts new um, uh, families and things and, and, influ- and, and gets this wonderful legacy that begins. From there, we have his sons, uh, you know, uh, Isaac and Jacob, who have their huge, rich stories, but it's the same thing. Their lives are marked by just being with God, going and kind of doing what he says and, and co-creating with God wherever they went. We get to Moses. If you guys have uh, not seen the Prince of Egypt, uh, you can, and it counts as reading the Bible as far as I'm concerned. That's a joke. Um, but there we, have, there we have Moses, and he is a prophet, right? He's a man who is, he goes, frees the people, performs the miracles, leads the people through a sea, as we sang this morning, follows a cloud of fire at night and a cloud of uh, cloud smoke in the daytime. That's literally the presence of God. And then they, he passes the baton to Joshua. They are then going and conquering all the giants and other tribes that had taken land that God promised them. So he, do you notice that there's, just a, there's God and people and what they want and what he wants together, things go awesome. There's plenty of times where it doesn't, by the way. 
So then we get to Samuel. Now things are a little different. Israel's kind of like, this whole prophet thing is cool. Uh, Let's back up from that. I want a little distance. Let's have a king like all the other nations. (laughs) That's what they say. We'd rather have a king. Let's try that out. So God's intention was to be with his people, to lead them, and to have them live beautiful, wonderful lives. Saul messes that up a bunch of ways, but this is David we're talking about, not Saul. So again, why are we talking about David? He screwed up. We learned it last week, right? Bathsheba sleeps with someone's wife, kills the guy for it. Not not great. Um, 1 Samuel 13. Samuel says this to Saul. So this is before David becomes king. But now your kingdom will not endure, Saul. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Okay, interesting. Next verse uh, that we're going to look at, 1 Samuel 16, 7. Um, Now, just look at the last half. The first half, Samuel's talking about someone else. (laughs) It says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So, David screws up. David does things just like Saul did, bad things, good things. What's the difference? His heart? What does that mean? Literally, what does that mean? <laughs> like, okay, it's like, you know, you see people doing like horrible things and like, God know my heart. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you ever heard people say, oh yeah, God knows my heart. I'm, you know, yeah, I'm, 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 sleep- I'm cheating on my wife, but God knows my heart. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm injecting drugs into my eyeball, but God knows my heart. He does know your heart. It's probably not good. <laughs> Are you with me so far? Does this make sense? Sorry, I love scripture. I'm a deep guy. It takes every ounce of my being to be this incomprehensible. So, what did God see in David's heart? What did he see there? G- uh, David's anointed king when he's like 10. 10 or 15, he doesn't even become a king until he's 30, and then he doesn't even become the king until he's 37. What does he do when he becomes king over all Israel? 1 Chronicles 13. This is all of Israel assembled. He said to the whole assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you, and if it is the will of the Lord our God, let us send word far and wide to the rest of the people throughout the territories of Israel, and also to the priests and the Levites who are with them in their towns and pasture lands to come and join us. And let us bring the ark of God back to us, for we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. Do you know what the ark is? It was the literal and and figurative presence of the Lord. And David just said, we never used that during Saul's reign. Are you starting to see why David might be a little different? Why he might be a man after God's own heart? So then David immediately, after becoming king, during becoming king, this is literally his ceremony. He's like, whoa, okay, this is fun. We're gonna make me king, great. First, let's send word out. If it's okay with everybody and God, let's go get the ark and bring it back. Then 
he builds a tent or a tabernacle. It's a fun word. I love the word tabernacle. I wish we used it more often. You should come to my tabernacle for lunch. Um, um, this sweater looks like a tabernacle. It's too big. Um, <laughs> he builds this tent. They have this huge party, which in the way they partied was like sacrificing animals and stuff. But they're singing, they're praising, they're doing all these things. They bring the ark into the city of David. They put it in the tent. David then appoints the Levites, which were mentioned in that last passage, kind of a random thing. What you need to know about Levites is their job was to worship. David says there's like 288 of these people, and he literally says, you're going to play guitar, you're going to play drums, you're going to play cymbals. And he breaks them up into shifts and says, you're going to minister. In 1 Chronicles 16, 37, David left Asaph and his associates before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister there continually according to each day's requirements. Now, there's some debate about what continually means, but a lot of people think it means continually, forever. Like, just keep worshiping. Keep ministering there. His first act as a king is ministry. His first act as king is worship. His first act of king is to inquire. David was just reestablishing what God wanted to do from the Garden of Eden. Because do you know what the next two chapters after that one are marked by? Victory after victory after victory after victory until David is an old man. And now there's 4,000 people worshiping in front of the tent. That was his legacy, right? That was what David had in mind. He provided a way for people to be served and to serve God. He provided a literal symbol that people could look at and be like, there's the presence of God. It's at the center of his rule. Now, what did this have on David's ministry? What effect did it have? He wrote a lot of the Psalms, the book of Psalms in the Bible. Those were like his journal, his love songs, his, his strife, his anger. He, he, he led a, a, an emotional uh, relationship with God down on paper. He had victory. He had increase. He literally had kings that were now bowing to him. He had conquered and dis- resolved disputes between kings and spread the kingdom of God the way that God intended with David as the ruler. And so in Second Samuel verse 7, the Lord says this to David, I have been with you wherever you have gone. And I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. Bam! Isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be cool? How likely is that to happen to you and me? I don't know. But literally, that's cool that the Lord is like, hey man, you're doing great. I'm going to make your name great. Does David say he's going to make his name great? No. Was it great? We're talking about him today. 2,600 years later, we're still looking at his life, right? That's wild. So would you say that David had significance? Would you say that he had influence? I think it's indisputable that he had both. 
So, but those things weren't significant to David. I'm going to say that again to this side. Those things weren't significant to David. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. I don't know about you, but if the king of the universe said, I'm going to make you great, Scott, great, Scott, I don't think my instinct would be like, I just want to dwell in your house. I'd probably be like, freaking yeah, it's about time. (laughs) David, in the secret place of his heart, treasured the presence of God more than anything else. And he got significance, but it wasn't significant to him. David's desire was to be known deeply. His desire was to know deeply, was to search the things of God. He desired God's heart. And God's heart was for him to be great. That only made David want the Lord's heart more. That is what's different mostly about David and Saul. Is that any time David received increase and and renown, and he sought more favor with the one king of the universe... This stuff is great. Even God says it's great. I still only want you. I still only care about what you think. He was significant in his life. He was a king. He was a ruler. So what about me and my desire to be better than I am? What about me and my job that I hate? What about me and my seemingly insignificant speck of dust floating through this world? What does David's life have to do with me? In Acts chapter 15, verse 16. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it. That the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things. So, here is, this is, Acts is in the, part of the Bible after Jesus' life. Jesus had already came, lived, preached, died, been resurrected, and ascended into heaven when this is being spoken. And do you know what they're saying? The Lord will rebuild the temple of David, the, the, the tent of David. So where's the tent? Can we go see it? Is it somewhere we can go check it out? I don't think so. The tent was the Spirit of God indwelling his people. The tent is in this very room. The tent is in your heart now. And that's hard. The disciples themselves had a hard time with this. They didn't understand. Why are you leaving? Why don't you just overthrow the government and reestablish your throne? And Jesus said, it's better if I go. You know why? Now... There's thousands, hundreds, millions of tents of David walking around in the world carrying the very presence of the living God, carrying the very answer to everything. 
Is it sloppy? Yeah. Do we get it right? No. But God's desire was from the beginning to be with his people so that they could rule with him. And what's the best way to do that? To have one city, one people? No. It's to say I put myself in your heart. I will make myself vulnerable so that you can walk around with my presence. You crave significance in your life? Read this, John 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have done. This is Jesus talking. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. That is not me paraphrasing. That's the radical word of God. I will do whatever you ask in my name. That doesn't make sense. That's why we have uh, prosperity preachers. <laughs> it's this verse right here. But that is where you, your significance, that longing that you have, that you feel about being significant, it's not without a home. Your longing to be more than you are is right there. You will do greater things than Jesus himself. You walk this earth with the tent of David in your heart. You will do greater things. Does that look like what you thought it was, though, when you think about your greatness and your, your, <laughs> your significance, your longings? For me, it looks like I'd maybe have a better job and a little more money and, <laughs> and a cooler car and more friends, more generosity maybe. God is saying, if you follow me and do as I do, it will be greater than what I did. Huh. You crave influence. To be heard, to be known, that's what that means, right? Like, I want to have, have agency in my life. Look at Luke 10. When you enter a town, so this is, sorry, a little context. Jesus is sending out 72 people in this moment. Before he died, this is, what he, this is how he rolled. <laughs> when you enter a town and you are welcomed, eat what is offered to you, heal the sick, who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Down in verse 17. The 72 returned to the, with joy and said, Lord, even demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What did David have? The whole kingdom. What did he say? One thing I desire, your heart. What does Jesus say? They come back, they're all excited. God, we were healing the sick. We were casting out demons in your name. This is wild. And God goes, it is awesome. I gave you that authority. But don't rejoice over that. Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Your desire for significance, your desire for influence, 
probably doesn't look like what mine looks like. But I know what will actually satisfy that desire. It's following Jesus. It's bringing the tent of David wherever you go. It has taken the presence of God with you. You were thinking about sticking it to your boss if you had enough influence, maybe. I was. You're thinking about how your personal empire will become great. And maybe those things will be added to you. Maybe. The Bible doesn't explicitly say that that's wrong. In fact, look at David. God says, I made you that way. But you know what God is looking for? He's looking for people that go, there's just one thing. There's just one thing. There's one thing that I want. That is to dwell in your house forever. Jesus is inviting us to rule with him. It just doesn't look like telling our vassals what to do. It doesn't look like servants waiting on us and bringing us food and making us comfortable. It looks like going into the trenches and bringing healing. It looks like going into places of brokenness and bringing restoration. And Jesus says, that is great. And your soul will be satisfied in those things and those things alone. See, it's not that you are to be satisfied with less. It's that more isn't really satisfying. It's not that the Lord is saying, I don't want you to be great. What kind of effed up parent would say that to their kid? It's he saying, greatness wouldn't be good. It's not God saying, I want you to settle. It's God saying, I want you to have more. But it just doesn't look like what we want it to look like. At least for me, some of you might be perfect, I don't know. He wants us to rule the world with him, full stop. It just looks like freeing the captives more than it does sipping suds in the palace. It's not measured by my, my greatness, my personal renown. It's not measured by my wealth. It's measured by how much healing and victory and beauty we bring. It's measured by how significant the king thinks our, our word and our work is. I had a friend. Um, he came to my, uh, sorry. He came to my group, my small group, uh, years ago. And um, was a, you know, uh, didn't believe in God. And that's fine. I love it when people are in our gathering that don't believe. You're counting the cost. That's good. It's not easy to follow Jesus. <laughs> you need to know what you're getting into. He came to my group for three years. Three years. Not believing in God. So why did he come? One time... We went to his house. It's like a 35, 40-minute drive from where we normally met. We brought him a cake for his birthday. We brought some food. We bought pizza. And he gave a little speech. 
And he said, I've never been loved like this. I've never had anyone care about me enough to do that. And I can tell you, that moment, that journey, by the way, he did, after years, eventually come to know Jesus, got baptized at Purpose Church down the street, still following Jesus to this day, went to counseling, turned his life around. He's an amazing man. Unfortunately, lives far away now. Otherwise, he'd be here. That moment, that journey of my friend, it means so much more to me than a lot of other things I've achieved. Because I know that that pleased the Lord. I know what it did for him. I know what it meant to be loved by people who sacrificed themselves for him. And all of us, it was so worth it. So when I look to the world and I look to my own wealth and I look to my own standing to, for greatness, it's not that I should not desire greatness, it's that my desires have been misplaced by something that will only look at me and, give, and ask me for more and give me nothing. Rather, I should look to the king who says, you go out, you serve, and I will make you great. I will give you all the resources you can possibly imagine if you go out and you are willing to step in the gap for somebody who is about to come in the way of disaster. If you step into the world and you say, I bring healing in the name of Jesus to people who are broken and hurting, God says, all the things you desire, I will add to you because your heart is in the right place. I brought it back to the beginning. Did you see that? I'm going to wrap up with this last verse. It's a bit of a long, sorry, I'm sniffling. No surprise at all, I'm crying. Our, this verse that we're about to read is such a powerful verse in the context of understanding what will actually satisfy our own desires for significance, for influence, for love. Matthew 25. <laughs> then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needed clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I'm going to ask you all to stand up as we close out.
verse just shows the eagerness of the Lord to be glorified and praised through such simple means as a glass of water. And all of you in this room have the power to do a thing that is recorded for all eternity by the most powerful man in office, the King of Kings. All of you have the opportunity to influence darkness wherever you go. And maybe you're not gonna get more Instagram followers, but you're gonna set someone free. If it's not too much to ask, would you just put your hand on your heart while I pray for you? This is just a symbolic act. That's why we do stuff like this. It's a symbolic act that I'm asking the Lord to minister to this that you have your hand on. Lord God Almighty, my Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give to us this day our provision, Lord. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sinned against us. Lord, yours is the power and the glory forever. You are the king of the universe. And these that are in the sound of my voice that can hear me, Lord, bless them now. Hold their hearts, Lord. I sense there's brokenness in this room because some of us are so needing to be seen, to be significant, to be influencing. We don't know where to start. We feel disappointed. Lord, touch those hearts in the name of Jesus. Come right now and heal. Bring the knowledge that your kingdom will satisfy those desires. They are not misplaced. Those desires are not wrong. Those desires need to be set on the thing that will satisfy. Heal the heart, Lord. Heal the the brokenness, Lord. Make us bold. Make us rise up when we see darkness and say, you know what, I carry the tabernacle of David in my heart. Why don't you come and worship with me? Why don't I lay my hands on you and see what God will do? Demons flee in his name. Healing comes at his name. You that are holding your hearts right now in your hand, you are God's messengers. You are the ones who can do those things greater than Jesus by his own desire. You all were made to be significant. You all were made to influence this world. You all were made to bring life and light. That will not be missed. That will not be missed. God will see it all. And as you lean towards him, Lord, Father, I pray, draw us into a moment where we look at you. You are the one who satisfies. You are the one I desire. Send me. Give me the resources, Lord, to do your will. Bless you all in the name of Jesus, the matchless name, the king of the universe, whose desire is that every one of us find life and life abundant. Go in peace. Go with God. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at 
www.humanitychurch.com.